When those of the nations heard this, they began to rejoice and to glorify the word of Jehovah. And all those who were rightly disposed for everlasting life became believers. This is a verse from the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures, Study Edition, a Bible published by the Jehovah's Witnesses. This verse in particular comes from Acts 13.48 in their Bible. We want to take some time to look at this verse, Acts 13.48 in their Bible, because it's highly mistranslated from the original scriptures. And let's take a deeper look into Acts 13.48. But in order to do that, let's gather the context of the 13th chapter of Acts. The 13th chapter of Acts is what we consider to be Paul beginning his first missionary journey. And in his first missionary journey, we learn out of the gate that Paul is being sent by a sponsor. (laughs) He's being sponsored on his first missionary journey. Who's the sponsor? Well, we find the sponsor in Acts 13.4. It says, So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Paul is being sent on his missionary journey by the Holy Ghost in certain Bibles or the Holy Spirit. Just ghost kind of sounds weird. So 13.4 says that he was being sent, but he's not the only one. It says they, they were being sent. Who is being sent with Paul? Barnabas. Verse 2 says that Barnabas is his helper, his partner in crime. So they're visiting certain locations to spread the gospel, spread the good news, Jesus' message. We find off the bat in this verse that it's not an easy task. For example, there are other people also preaching a message very similar to the message that Paul and Barnabas are bringing. We see that Paul, in verse number 6, comes across a false prophet, someone calling themselves a Jew, but apparently has these extraordinary powers. He's a sorcerer, but he's a prophet and he's a Jew. But Paul calls him out as being a false prophet. So we're learning from the context that there are hurdles to Paul's message. He is coming across people doing work very similar to the work he is doing, except the work being done by these other individuals serves as false testimony as a false message to the gospel. He has his work cut out for him. We see that once he takes care of this false prophet that we find beginning in verse number 6, he finally ends up in Antioch in verse number 14. He and Barnabas find themselves now traveling to Antioch in Pisidia. And what does he do here? In Antioch in Pisidia, he starts talking solely to Jewish people, but there are a few other members in the crowd. There are Gentiles involved. Gentiles are now in the picture. But it's very important that we gather the context because it explains the verse that we are taking a look into, Acts 13.48. Paul and Barnabas begin to preach to the Jews that, hey, Jesus Christ was a Savior, and he left us a little bonus He says in verse 38, 1338, Be it known unto you, men and brothers, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Apparently, the message that Paul is bringing has a little bit of bonus. If you pay attention to what 
Paul is saying, Paul says, in this message, I have a little bonus, the forgiveness of sins. That is what this so-called Jesus Christ brought us. He is able to forgive your sins. This is what the Jewish people want to hear, because this is a solution to something that, that they have been battling for millennium, hundreds of years, and that is the forgiveness of sins. No more sacrificing animals in the temple, because now they have a different solution. There is a possibility of being free, free completely of their sins, but they have to put faith in the gospel that Paul and Barnabas are bringing, that Jesus Christ died for their sins. For many of these Jewish people, this is a solution. This is what they want to hear. I don't have to follow many of the difficult laws found inside the law. Well, sign me up. And we know that's their response because in verse number 43, it says, When the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas. There is one last thing to note. When he finished talking to the Jews and the religious proselytes, we find something interesting, that the third member in the crowd, the Gentiles, in verse 44, it says, the Gentiles sought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath, so in a week. So there were Gentiles in the crowd. They liked what they heard, and they said, hey, we would like a show. We would like to be the audience. But how about we do it next Saturday? I would like to sign up. And we find ourselves completing the context of Acts 13 in verse 44, where it says, And the next Sabbath day came almost a whole city together to hear the word of God. Apparently, the Jews knew there was a second showing to the show. They wanted a ticket. The Jews went as well. They go, but this time... It's in particular towards the Gentiles. And this is what happens. But now there's a different response. Something very different happens. Remember, the Saturday before, the religious proselytes and the Jewish people, some of them, many of them, verse 43, many of them, they responded positively. There was rave reviews. There was a lot of good reviews left. They liked what Paul and Barnabas were saying. They left the good reviews. So number 45 says, This time, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. So something happened between the time the first showing and the second showing, the second Sabbath, now there are Jewish people that don't like what Paul was saying. Now there are people who are opposing. So who knows? Maybe they went back, they talked to the religious leaders, the religious, maybe they didn't know how to explain what Paul was saying, but it sparked a controversy. And now the second week, round two, the Jewish people come back and it's like, hey, remember we said we liked it? Yeah, we don't like what you're saying. So this completes the context of Acts 13. And we go back to the verse we want to take a look at, verse 1348. Now we know what this is about. Paul and Barnabas find themselves in Antioch, a Pisidia. They preach a message. First week, rave reviews. Big fans. A lot of people liked it. Second week, uh, 
1.8 stars, you know, not not a lot of good reviews. But the Gentiles like it. So we find ourselves in verse 1348. And we're going to read this first out of the Jehovah's Witness Bible, Acts 1348. And it's the audio that we commence this podcast with. When those of the nations heard this, they began to rejoice and to glorify the word of Jehovah. And all those who were rightly disposed for everlasting life became believers. So what was it that they heard? Well, they heard the second showing on that, on that Sabbath. In their Bible, in verse number 46, it says, Paul and Barnabas boldly said to them, It was necessary for the word of God to be brought to you, to be spoken first to you. Since you are rejecting it and do not judge yourselves worthy of everlasting life, look, we turn to the nations. For Jehovah has commanded us in these words, I have appointed you as a light of nations for you to be a salvation to the ends of the earth. So we see here that Paul talks to the Jewish people directly and he tells them, hey, we brought you the message last week. You didn't like the message, but guess what? None of this is new because the Bible speaks of it. It says that the message was supposed to be brought to you first. But because you have rejected the message, we now turn to the Gentiles. And now we find ourselves near the end of the 13th chapter with the Gentiles being, hey, if they don't want it, we'll take it. We'll take this forgiveness of sins. We'll take this everlasting life. We want to sign up. We would like some of the action. And this is what happens. So now verse 13 48 in the Jehovah's Witness Bible says that these people in particular, the Gentiles, the Gentiles in particular, were people that were rightly disposed. And this is where we find the error. This is where we find the problem. The reason that the Jehovah's Witnesses translate verse 1348 as rightly disposed is because it goes in line with one of their doctrines. And the doctrine is that when Jehovah's Witnesses go to preach to people, something ironic happens. Usually, more often than not, people do not listen. People do not want the message that the Jehovah's Witnesses are bringing. People don't have faith in it. They don't have interest. When this happens, the Jehovah's Witnesses have come up with the reason as to why this happens. Because the Jehovah's Witnesses see their message as extraordinarily important, except the rest of the world does not because they have no faith in it. The Jehovah's Witnesses say there's no problem. There's no problem because these people were never rightly disposed. So they have prejudged the people and they use Acts 13.48 to classify people before these people even re reject them. So once you reject them, Jehovah's Witnesses say, well... It's because they, they're not tuned correctly. They're not rightly disposed. Why is this a big deal? This is a big deal because, number one, that's not what the Bible says. The correct translation should have been chosen for everlasting life, became believers. The people that have faith, the people that, in some Bibles, it says the people that were ordained. In others, it says the people that were appointed, they believed. The people that were chosen, they believed. This is the proper way to translate this because these people were actually chosen. They were appointed. They were appointed to hear this new message. And they were appointed in particular to believe. But the Jehovah's Witnesses don't like that. 
Because it takes away from their control. Their control of being able to say that their message has power. I'll put it to you this way. When Jehovah's Witnesses go and knock on the door and someone rejects their message, well, Jehovah's Witnesses don't like to think that that message has no power. The leadership wants to convince that that message has power. So in order to do that, they have to convince them that this message has a particular power. So when someone rejects it, it wasn't that they rejected a hollow message, right? No, 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 no. The Jehovah's Witnesses might say, hey, I'm shooting blanks. What happened? Hey, how come I'm not having any sort of effect on the people? The leadership would say, it's not you, it's them. See, because your message is correct. It's not you, it's them. And the only way to be able to put the blame on the people is by being able to say that these people were not, were not, as their Bible puts in 1348, were not rightly disposed. What does that mean to them, to be rightly disposed? It means to be, how they put it in a watchtower, 1991, January 15, page 15 to 20. Real believers are pure in heart. Paragraph three and four. Paragraph three and four asks the question, who are the pure in heart? Well, it says those believers in Antioch became baptized Christians, and the faithful among them could apply to themselves Jesus' words, happy are the pure in heart since they will see God. But who are the pure in heart? Well, according to them, in paragraph four of this article, the pure in heart are inwardly clean. And at the end of the paragraph, it says, But seeing God through accurate knowledge and true worship is possible for all those who are pure in heart. They are rightly disposed for everlasting life. What this essentially means, according to them, there are those people who are ready, ready to listen to them. And then there are those who are not. Jehovah's Witnesses subtly, subtly, although they don't tell their members this, they are not looking for everyone. And this is what the leadership doesn't tell their subjugates. Jehovah's Witnesses aren't looking for every person. They're just looking for the rightly disposed. The rightly disposed people find themselves in a certain disposition, a very interesting and sometimes very unfortunate disposition. Who are they looking for? They're looking for people that are particularly vulnerable to manipulation. But they don't tell you that. Once you dive into their publications, you find the people that they're particularly looking for. Paragraph 11, Watchtower 2008, January 15, pages 13 to 17. Why do we keep returning to visit people? One of the reasons why we keep returning to visit people with whom we have already spoken about the good news is that their circumstances and attitudes can and do change. Since our last visit, some may have been affected by serious illness, loss of a job, or the death of a loved one. So he's saying that even though people reject them, there are instances where these people can be vulnerable to manipulation. 
Now, psychology has revealed that this is a tried and tested method. People are most vulnerable when they are going through a very difficult time in their life. So Jehovah's Witnesses consider this kind of people the rightly disposed. These are the people that they are looking for. Notice what they keep saying in paragraph 11. World events may motivate people to think seriously about their future. World events. People that are being easily controlled or maybe live in fear of world events. Maybe people who listen or watch the news who are often manipulated by the news outlets themselves. They can live in such fear where a Jehovah's Witness comes and knocks on the door and provides all the solutions, all the answers to the world that they give in. They're susceptible. They're vulnerable. This is what they've been looking for. And when a Jehovah's Witness says, hey, I have all the solutions to life, vulnerable people will listen. Paragraph 11 keeps saying, Such developments can cause a person who was previously apathetic or even opposed to respond favorably. Hence, we should not hold back from sharing the good news with others on every suitable occasion. So now we find the answer to who are those that are rightly disposed. These are the people that are rightly disposed. Jehovah's Witnesses are looking for these people. People that tell them, we don't want to see you again. They say there's still a chance that this person might go through something so sad that we might be able to get them, that we might be able to convince them. They say that they don't judge people, that they don't prejudge people, but their actions speak louder than their words. It's true that they knock on every single door, but they're not looking for every single door. They're looking for a particular person, and that person is a person that is, according to their Bible, Acts 13, 48, rightly disposed. Now, again, Rightly disposed is not the correct translation for Acts 13.48. If we look at the interlinear Bible, Acts 13.48, the word that they consider (laughs) rightly disposed, well, rightly is not even in there, okay? Not in Acts 13.48. And disposed, the proper word, is tetagmenoi, which means literally a sign or a point. So when we read Acts 13.48, the way the Jehovah's Witnesses read it, their verse in the Bible, the way they translate it, it serves the doctrine that there are people in this world that are rightly, that are going to accept, and there are people that just will never under any circumstance. We're not looking for them. We don't need them. We don't want them. They're not the people we're looking for. This is their doctrine except they won't tell their people. Notice what Kingdom Ministry of 96, April 96, page 8 says. Flat out, one purpose of the preaching work is to find those who are rightly disposed for everlasting life. And they won't say that's the purpose. They won't say that's the purpose. They say one purpose because the other purpose, if you hold them to it, they could say, well, another purpose is uh, to, to be together as a family. Another purpose is to complete our ministry, but they won't say it. So this is, this is the, the semantics again. Purpose, one purpose of the preaching work is to find those who are rightly disposed for everlasting life. 
distribution of the Watchtower and Awake magazines have proved to be an excellent way to accomplish this, as our journals make people aware of the kingdom hope. What do they say? Darn right, word for word. One purpose is to find those who are rightly disposed. It doesn't say one purpose is to preach the work to every single person with the hope that every single person is going to change. They do not have that hope. They might say it, but they do not have that hope. That's because everyone is already prejudged according to this doctrine of the rightly disposed. Jehovah's Witnesses are famous for making doctrines, but they won't tell their subjugates. And if they tell their subjugates, the subjugates, they, they really don't read much. So this is what happens. They explain in an illustration the way that they go about doing this. Watchtower 2014, December 15, page 9 to 14, paragraph number 9, the dragnet. Notice what it says. That is how it will be in the conclusion of the system of things. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from among the righteous and will cast them into the fiery furnace. There is where their weeping and the gnashing of their teeth will be. What is the meaning of Jesus' illustration about the dragnet? Jesus said that preaching the kingdom message is like letting a large dragnet down into the sea. Just as a dragnet catches large numbers of fish of every kind, our preaching work attracts millions of people of every kind. The millions of people who come every year to our conventions and the memorial prove this. So they're saying that Jesus established a dragnet illustration in Matthew 13, 47, 50, which is partially correct. Mar Matthew 13, 47, 50 explains an illustration of how the kingdom of the heavens will be. That in the conclusion of the system of things, there will be a separation between those who are wicked and those who are righteous. That is the truth. The truth is when he reads it, that there will be a separation from wicked people and righteous people. The half-truth is that this has nothing to do <laughs> with the work of a multi-billion dollar company in New York. This is something that has the hand of Jesus, the hand of the angels involved, not the hands of a manipulative company in New York. And they say that millions of people who come every year to their conventions and memorial prove this. So they're saying that millions of people come, right? Millions of people come to their big events, but not all these people stay. Because what they say is, Some of these people are like fine fish, and they become part of the Christian congregation. Others are like unsuitable fish, and Jehovah does not accept them. Who are they to say that, <laughs> that the God Almighty has not accepted them? I mean, they're still alive. Right? I mean, for, for the most part, thinking positively, most people were, were hoping are still alive. Why would you say that these people are unsuitable fish? Well, you never know. We never know what's going to happen. Anyone could change their ways. Just look at Paul. If Paul would have been judged from the beginning, well, he would have been what they call an unsuitable fish. And Jehovah would not accept him? I mean, is that what the Bible explains? We, we don't know. Jehovah's Witnesses, again, they judge people. They say they don't, but they prejudge them, and they decide who is suitable, who is rightly disposed, and who is not. 
Notice what paragraph number 10 keeps saying, because it takes a more darker look into the way they look at people. Paragraph 10, question. Why did Jesus tell the illustration about the dragnet? Why did Jesus tell this illustration? The separating of fish in the illustration does not refer to the final judgment during the Great Tribulation. Rather, it explains something that happens during the last days of this system. And this is what we call a usurpation. They are taking away, they are taking away the true meaning of the scriptures and they're locking it outside the door. And now they've taken command and they're going to tell you what it means. So what their meaning is, again, the separating of fish in the illustration does not refer to the final judgment during the Great Tribulation. Rather, it explains something that happens during the last days of this system. They have to believe, they have to teach you this, that this is happening now, because if they don't subscribe to this doctrine, well, then that means that their efforts, their work is null and void. It's useless. Because in the illustration of the dragnet of Matthew 13.47-50, the angels were involved. The angels were very involved. And also, it was during the conclusion of the system of things. It says it there in Matthew 13. So it gives you the time, and it gives you the parties involved. None of this can be proven by Jehovah's Witnesses without usurpation without locking reason outside of the room and force-feeding their subjugates whatever they want to tell them. What they want to tell them is, hey, this is the last days, and although you can't see, although you can't see the angels, they're involved. So they have to subscribe to these assumptions, otherwise their doctrine falls apart. Jesus showed that not everyone who likes the kingdom message will want to become Jehovah's servant. Many who have come to our meetings or studied the Bible with us are not willing to dedicate their life. Others have even stopped coming to the meetings. Some young people have been raised by Christian parents but have not really learned to love Jehovah themselves. So for them to say that many have come to their meetings, but hey, they studied, but weren't willing to dedicate their lives, or others well, they stopped coming to our meetings. Or even young people, they go after the young people. Even young people have been raised with by Christian parents. See, they're not Christians themselves. The parents are Christian. But they have not really learned to love Jehovah themselves. These are the people that were never rightly disposed to them. Again, that term, rightly disposed, is not in the Bible. What happened in that occasion in, in the 13th chapter of Acts is that the Gentiles on the second Saturday chose. They chose to listen to the discourse. They chose to listen to Paul. And in listening to him, they were chosen for eternal life, it says. They were picked. That is what happened. They were the ones that were chosen. Paul says it himself. I will from now on go to the Gentiles because you rejected the message. It's in chapter 13. Just because they were chosen doesn't mean all of them accepted, chosen. We can all be chosen for a job. doesn't mean we all get it. But it gives us a notion into what Acts 13.48 really means. 
They were all chosen for eternal life. Does the Bible say anything aside from that? Anything more from that? No. So we we cannot delineate. We cannot decipher if in actuality these people are now destined to live forever. We know they were chosen to live forever, but we don't we can't conclude without having additional information. And we go back to what the Bible teaches about not going beyond the scriptures, not going beyond what was already uh, written. And this is part of something. Does it, does it give us the ability to be more Christian than not? No, also no. So if we translate this the correct way, in Acts 13, at the end, the Gentiles turn out to be the people that were appointed, that were chosen, because the Jews rejected it. It says it in chapter 13, but we have to read the chapter. But if we translate it the way the Jehovah's Witnesses translate it, well, all of a sudden, they have backing for the doctrine that preaching, although done to all people, it isn't to be done to save all people. According to Jehovah's Witnesses, preaching is only to save the rightly disposed, a term that is not in the Bible. Hey, we hope you learned something today. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next one.